On what was a sunny evening in the Steel City, now rainy. Welcome back. It's Pick and Roll Slimy Podcast. Yeah, with me, D, and as usual, uh, Mr. Gavin Betts. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Since we were last on air, we've had a bit more sort of confirmation about what the uh, NBA's plans are as far as um, resuming the season in Orlando and whatnot. Um, the bubble, if you will. The bubble. The World Cup bubble. Yeah. I keep thinking of the Bubble Boy in Seinfeld and the Mooks uh, when I think about this. <laughs> it's kind of weird. The Bubble Boy movie. Yeah. Um, what else is good? A good Bubble Boy. Have you ever seen Camping, the Julia Davis one? I don't think I have. No. Watch that. It's incredible. When's it's that from? It's hilarious. Huh? When's that from? A few years ago. It was on Sky, so it'll be on Sky. It's Sky okay. original. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julia Davis is a genius. And it, it's it's just horrific and horrifying and hilarious to watch. <laughs> like this NBA uh, bubble could be. Um, this NBA bubble could be if <laughs> if they come back. Yeah, if it's, they come um, back up in the air, isn't it? Well, I don't think it is. Anyway, we'll come on to this in a minute. But um, yeah, th- this is what we do now since we were kind of uh, we recorded last. Um, they're planning to restart with twenty two teams in Orlando. Um, yes, eight eight gone, eight gone. Yeah, on the thirty uh, first of July, featuring sort of an eight game regular season, sort of ending, if you will, and then potentially a play in series for the eight seed, the nine seed if they're within four games of the eight seed, which will then turn into the nine seed having to beat the eight seed in two games to sort of qualify for the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it's all uh, yeah. I'm not really sure how that all works. This yeah, I mean, they're kind of, it's like putting a band-aid on a bleeding wound, isn't it? I don't know. They've kind of tried to please most of the teams, and I don't know. It's um, If safety was the sort of key issue here, I can't understand why Phoenix and Washington are involved. It seems yeah. it seems a bit silly, really. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the issue is, is that they've tried to keep this weird balance to it when really it should be if you're bringing it back just the top 16 teams yeah and you have some sort of playing champions league style two game thing or something like yeah we would i was yeah a vocal advocate of trying something new so i can't really criticize them for trying something new but I'm not really sure. It's it's not how I would have done well, it's it. It's not really something but, new, is it? It's kind of a bit of a hodgepodge uh, kind of way of trying to rescue yeah, as much it's more money of a as fudge. possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's more of a fudge, and I think it, it's very definitely going to aster- like make the asterisk against the championship worse. Yeah. As it uh, were. Yeah. Um, I mean... The other thing is, what, what are they going to do about the lottery odds now, then? Yeah, well, I've, I've heard various sort of things, but I, th- I think there was something... Where they're gonna shut the lottery odds off at what the records were when the lockdown was imposed, yeah. kind of thing. I think I think that seems to be the. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not, but I think that seems to be what's what's going to happen there. Uh, yeah. But uh, Zion and the Pelicans were kind of 
looking like you know they were on a bit of a run there um, as the season wound down. But um, your Blazers now um, with what looks like to be Zach Collins and Nurkic back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are in with a shout, really, if they can put any kind of run together uh, and sort of stop paying playing their best players again. Um, so. They have to hit the ground of hope, running. Really. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. And... I have to hit the ground running. I'm not expecting much. I mean, it, it could do, especially with Nurkic back. But then equally, you've then got like Nurkic. Then you've got what Hassan Whiteside fucking. So, yeah. like, there's there's issues there, isn't there? Yeah. Um... I I'm not sure. As soon as this this season can't end fast enough for the Blazers. Yeah, uh, the Spurs look like that. I mean, they had a slim chance really, but now with the uh... LaMarcus Aldridge uh, having surgery has been revealed. It was about six weeks ago. Um, they look pretty much done for, really. You can't see them making a surgery. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not playing this game, it, are they? Not smart enough to be like, this isn't important. Yeah. Can you hear the rain here? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, can you hear it here? Yeah, I've got rain pitter pattering down on the roof here. So, not ideal podcasting, but um, we will. Uh, <laughs> we will uh, power through. Um, so yeah, it looks to the like, universe. Yeah, it looks like a kind of Blazers, Memphis, Pelicans sort of three-way sort of battle here, uh, if you will. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Of which I'm not really sure the Blazers are the best of those three. No, as you say, it's kind of up, yeah. with the. I mean, they're saying the sort of teams are going to start, you know, sort of doing workouts and stuff in the next couple of weeks, and then going to be sort of a mini training camp if you will from sort of the beginning of July uh, and then those sort of eight regular season games will start um, followed by the playoffs sometime in August um, it just doesn't feel right does it it's it's a bit weird yeah it's a bit weird but these are you know like every advert tells us these are unprecedented times if you know like it's so so yeah like it's they're, they're bodging it but I don't know. I'm a little dis- I'm a little disappointed given the uh, given the context socially. Let's say that yeah. that league in particular seems in a hurry to get back. Yeah, um, it all comes down to money at the end of the day, doesn't it? That's the thing. It's um, yeah. I mean, Kyrie Irving's come out and sort of said a few things in the last few days about you know he's quite prepared to sort of walk away from this, and, you know, in the name of sort of social justice and whatever, but. Quite easy to say when you've made sort of 150 million in your career and God knows much, how much else from Nike. Um, yeah. Not saying he's not got a point there and stuff, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Carmelo's said something similar as well along the lines of like, "What? I, like, I, you want me to go there for six weeks where you tell me I can't see my family and like, you're all right. Look at where we are. Like, what? What's what? What's in it for me? Yeah, I mean, the, luckily these guys can probably afford to retire um you know it's it's your guys like you know christian wood whoever who's probably on the verge of of actually signing a contract worth a considerable amount of money and you know it's guys like that who are just not have never really made that kind of money who are just like hang on a minute you know you don't speak for me i think uh, austin rivers kind of tweeted out a bit of a pushback towards that didn't he like you know i understand the sentiment but i think bobby marks on the spn tweeted out that 72% 72% of the players in the NBA earn below what the average salary is for the league. So it's kind of, you know, it swings around about, isn't it? It's, 
yeah. probably doesn't speak for everyone when he says he's quite happy to sort of walk away from the game. And uh, as sad as that may be, um, it's it's a hard reality, isn't it? Yeah, he, he equally. It's more the domino effect, isn't it? If you're in a team, if you're on Washington and Bradley Beal's like, fuck it, I'm not going. I'm not putting myself in risk of this. Or also equally, like Troy Deeney made the point with like the Premier League, while ever there are frontline, frontline healthcare workers and people in care homes and able to get access to all the correct tests and like protective equipment, the idea that people do it just so we can watch people play sports is uh, absurd a... to the point of... yeah. It's a money thing, isn't it? Let's not dress it up any other way than what it is, basically. Yeah. Is. Um, yeah. Um, and there's the risk of injury as well, you know, with these guys being out, what, pretty much three months. Um, we saw it in the lockout season, which we, well, yeah. we covered. Uh, you know, you can hope guys are going to come back in shape and stuff, but it's, I think we're not naive enough. It's gone the other way, though, hasn't it? Yeah. So, I guess so. Equally, have you seen Joe Kitch? Yeah, he looks. Jokic like, looks. Well, Jokic looks like Jokic. he's lost a load. Of, he looks like he's just been jogging the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Harden too. I don't think equally Luka Doncic has not been seen, and apparently his fitness coaches said, "Yeah, he's not ready and uh, yeah. not ready yet." And well, Luka, Luka wasn't exactly uh, a specimen in those regards. No. Was I'm, he? Not, so, I'm not sure Jokic needs to lose that, that kind of weight though. He's not as though he's. A defensive stopper. Anyway, he needs a little bit of that bolt just to deal with it. I don't know. Um, who knows? I'm, not, I'm no expert. Yeah, it did seem to look like he'd gone a bit too far. The a bit way. gaunt, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like like he'd lost a bit of... like People would be looking to stick their shoulder in his chest a bit more now and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be my concern. Um, it's just a whole sort of circus around the NBA and stuff. It's like... It's this this idea of the bubble and they're all going to stay in sort of Disney World for three months. It's just it's fucking Disney. It's Disney World thinking, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, what about Hubie and Marv and I those don't guys? Know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like these dudes are in the you know they're getting up there in years. <laughs> you know, are they going to sit halfway up yeah. the stand and commentate? And I don't, yeah, commentators not being there in in the flesh is not a big deal, really. It's it's fans not being there that's gonna yeah. Make it. However, you sort of present it i don't know i'm not sure i'm excited about it put it that way it's oh i'm not i'm not no. at all i'd rather no. it didn't come back this, yeah this is how we're gonna go it's gonna feel a bit weird and then what happens next season as well do you know what i mean it's like are they gonna really rush to get back in december and stuff and what are the knocking effects of that um the players welfare well, seems to be sort of low down the totem pole have concerns here which you know i'm not accusing adam silver of not Giving a fuck because I think he's one of the more progressive sort of commissioners and stuff. But um, it's the economics, isn't it? That's the only, uh, you know. Essentially, he's people he's answerable to are the owners, aren't they? And we know yeah. they like their money. <laughs> As I'm sure some of the players. Turns do, out but, billionaires. Uh, yeah. yeah. Turns out billionaires really like their money. Yeah. Um, and hedge funds demand an ROI. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Yeah. There's a element of bad taste should i say in uh, in some of it and uh, but yeah it's hard man it's you know it's what's the right and wrong answer there if the players want to play and you know it's it's hard to find a balance or a you know a, a situation that's going to please everybody it's it's impossible pretty much isn't it yeah 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 it's it's impossible it's impossible without losing massive yeah. amounts of revenue 
which res- then results in a new CBA and stuff. And like you said, a domino effect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because because you know the public paying for all their stadiums and all that kind of all their facilities is not <laughs> not enough for the owners. Carrie Irving kind of touched on that, you know, almost saying, you know, in the sort of interest of social justice and stuff, we should kind of make a point of not playing here and stuff. And I almost think them playing and maybe showing the sort of dis- disapproval of what's been going on in America and and this country to a sort of a smaller extent would kind of be beneficial maybe to the league. I don't know how you feel, you know, actually making sort of political points and stuff uh, during the games and stuff. I don't know how you feel about that. I think uh, I think it's been amazing to see loads of the players like Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown been really eloquent and outspoken and out there doing things. Yeah. Um, the um, no, I, I think I, I don't know. I, I, is it a distraction from more important things? It depends how it plays out. Yeah. How it plays out. I'd like to see them. I don't know. Maybe all playing on courts, which make it explicitly clear if you know what I mean, and, or something like that, rather than yeah. if we're not going to have our home and away courts, like something like that. But if if there isn't anything, and they just try and bring it back, and it's just a token at, at this point, taking sort of a knee on not even playing a national anthem sort of thing, then I, I, I think it. I don't know. But it's not up to me, is it? I don't. I yeah. Yeah. You'd think. I mean, Adam Silver strikes me as a guy who's going to listen to the players on this and kind of yeah. act accordingly. You know, it's, it's not the NFL by any means, is it? No, 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 no. No, like I don't, I don't doubt his sincerity. I just, it, I just think maybe that it might, it it might serve as a distraction when, yeah, there are certain things happening that have a momentum which doesn't need to be distracted from. If you're a long-time listener of ours, we're going to, um, at the end of the podcast, we're going to run a sort of conversation we had on our first podcast um, about Craig Hodges, who was seems to be largely kind of a forgotten figure in the NBA. In some ways, he was kind of Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick as, in terms of sort of the way he kind of took on the league to do something about what was happening in America and stuff. And um, it's weird how through all this kind of in the last sort of month or so with what's been going on in the States and over here that he, he seemed to be someone the sort of the media have reached out to for his sort of thoughts on it which, which seems a shame and yeah and kind of weird because um, he's kind of his legacy's kind of got swept under the rug a little I feel yeah yeah no yeah I mean we discussed it a lot isn't it uh, a man who's, whose game itself is now more than ever largely responsible for the modern game, if you know what I mean, the hmm. position away from lanky, huge dudes. He was, yeah, a, an outlier at, at taking threes. But the, the, the issue is for the league to do that is to confront their complicitness in previously denying these voices and things, isn't it? Yeah. Like, the, the NBA is not, like, he can't put any way clean. So they're all, as much as anybody, let's wipe the Let's not let's move forward, yeah. as it were, with a lot of the stuff. 
to, and yeah, and, and to yeah to to bring back Craig Hodges is to is to see their part in silencing people in that debate. He wants yeah. the platform. Positive. It's funny how because obviously that was very much on David Stern's watch, and um, it was funny how not funny because that's probably the wrong choice of words, but. Um, how the sort of Donald Sterling thing got landed on Adam Silver's lap, literally as he just took over as um, as commissioner, he was very swift and you know and active in dealing. That wasn't he, and um, he kind of set out his stall of yeah. what kind of commissioner he was, he was going to be and how he was going to deal with sort of issues like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still we're still stuck in that thing where we can't really have a, like yeah, an honest conversation about Sterling and how he went about that business. Because a lot of it is unsavoury. If you don't know, I mean, a lot of it is unsavoury. It doesn't reflect well on the league as a product or an organisation currently, and doesn't reflect them as an organisation currently or how they want to be perceived. So you can see why they don't really want to treasure a lot of that stuff. And not just Craig Hodges, is it? It's when Mahmoud Abdul Rauf stopped being called yeah, the side yeah. of the came out publicly and said, I know I wanted to be called Chris Jackson. And he took a similar stance during the national anthem of the Iraq war. And he was pillaring for it too. There's there's a a whole thing of that. Oh, we're not political, but everything's political. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've kind of, I like to think we kind of, you know, we all read up and educated on this stuff, but, um, you know, as, as two guys who are, Caucasian white males from the north of England. There's definitely more we can do, isn't there? I mean, um, we, I think one of the mistakes me and you possibly make is we assume people we speak to or people listen to the podcast are kind of as educated and up on these subjects as we are. Not that not not saying we're hundred percent up on this stuff, but um, can't auto- automatically assume that people are, are anti-racist, can you? He, he or, you know, it's. Um, a lot of people f- fall into that trap of saying, I'm not racist, so I'm not part of the problem. Whereas I think it's yeah. been evident over the last sort of month or so that if you're not, you know, vehemently anti racist, you probably are part of the problem. You're not doing enough to sort of combat what's I, going on. To be on. honest, that's been one of the most depressing things how many people are like proud of themselves that they're. I mean, you, you can't dog anybody for making like progress and growth and evolving and stuff, but like. Being anti-racist is the bare fucking minimum yeah, of civilization. Exactly. It's the bottom bar. It's not the high bar. You've not achieved anything by saying I'm now an anti. It's like fucking hell. I should be ashamed of not being anti-racist. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's 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 a frightening time, and it's it's a really positive time in lots of ways, isn't it? It's it's a bit, I think I think the issue is we've got to avoid that thing of where yeah right right now. For the first time, there seems to be people listening. Yeah, and that's it. Previously, so it's it, it's important that the right voices are listened to. We seem and to yeah. have caught, sort of crossed some kind of sort of invisible boundary, if you will, of kind of people actually realizing that now. You know, it's like um, just calling out people in your sort of circles and whatever, or your family even. Um, I know I've I've not spoke to members of my family for almost a decade just based on their outlook on race and some of the comments they've made and to the point where I don't see my parents and my, my, my son doesn't see his grand, <laughs> you know, his grandparents because I call them out on their bullshit. And I think that's the point got to get to with people and just 
stop making excuses for people just because they're your relatives or you've known them a long time and say, you know, that's just yeah. so-and-so, so-and-so, and, and just making excuses for people. Yeah, just call people out on their fucking blatant bullshit and <laughs> racism and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And make it clear that it's, yeah, that's yeah. not an acceptable never... part of what a fucking civilization is. Do you know what I mean? It's... Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. It's 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 depressing. But yeah, it seems that as things are more polarized than ever before in certainly my lifetime, that that there's no middle ground people can take on this issue, yeah. and that is now, and that is a good thing because there shouldn't be any middle ground. There's no conscientious objecting on the race issue if you know what i mean you can't oh i, I just you, yeah yeah but yeah i think equally it's really important right now that the right voices are heard to make sure that any change is driven in the right direction because yeah. if you look across the, the planet and history white people have fucked up just as much trying to do the right thing allegedly as when they knew they were doing straight evil if you know what i mean so White saviorism is real, and I think a lot of people need to... I think the best way of putting it is that the time to stand with people is going to soon become the time to stand behind people, so they can be at the front, the right voices, and people can be heard in the correct way. And it's not for me to decide who those voices are. Like The last last thing the debate on race needs is another straight white guy's opinion. Yeah. No, no, you're right, you know... um, but there's not that's not to say we can't be part of the solution and you know um yeah yeah we're, we're two guys who sat talking about what's predominantly a black sport and you know we're two guys who've listened to hip-hop records for the last 30 years but so you know we can be you know we've been beneficial we're not you know not that we get paid for this it's a labor of love if you will but you know i've got i've got paid for playing hip-hop records in clubs to yeah. mainly white people so yeah there's a sort of sense of responsibility there that if you've got friends who are you know middle-aged caucasian males playing records in nightclubs which feature racial slurs maybe you should be called out for that and it's like kind of at what point do you need to be sort of aware of yes. the sort of the image you're portraying of a certain group of people and is that acceptable do you know what i mean it's like there's 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 an uncomfortable conversation to be had do you know what i mean and i think it but people, have been pe- people are scared uncom- yeah well that's it people are scared of having the uncomfortable conversation and i think that's what we need more of yeah. it's like you know should you be doing this is this the right way to you know are you offending someone or are you just doing it for money i don't know it's there's the optics aren't great that's what i'm yeah. saying it's kind of like you know the, the one of the reasons i stopped djing was because i was playing predominantly black music to a white audience and it became uncomfortable do you know what i mean and yeah. it's kind of you've got to get to a point where you're like i'm part of the problem here i'm not part of the solution do you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah. um you definitely need to kind of just take a step back and think about what you're doing and, you know, um, educate yourself more maybe and just just do better, be better. And I don't know. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's tricky, uh, but we can definitely all do better. Um, just have those uncomfortable conversations with you and your friends and your inner circle and whatever and, and strap in because we live in a fucking racist country and it looks like it's getting worse, sadly. Um, 
if you're built on a country built on race. It's a yeah. country built uh, like this is Great Britain. This this the sun never set on the fire. We wrote the book on that stuff. Like we, we literally wrote the blueprint that still been followed. Like getting on five hundred years later. It's 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 insane what we do. Uh, anybody doubts that, Google Operation Legacy and look at our government's literal conscious attempt at burning and retrieving all records from former colonies between the in the fifties and the fifties and the seventies and then destroying them to literally hide the evidence. Yeah. I mean we're sat here on the anniversary of the Grenfell Tower um yeah. horrificness and we've got a sitting government who've got no interest in doing the right thing for those people. And uh, they have a probably, prime minister who is probably never get justice, is, you know. It's... You've got a prime minister who is demonstrably racist. Yeah. Demonstrably, without a doubt, of a long record of making absurdly offensive, disgusting comments over and over again. And the reality is, he got there because there's enough people who agreed with that. Yeah. That's the thing. And anybody who says how we're not a racist country, then has to explain how we come to have a racist prime minister. Yeah, I'm still quite struck by this idea, but that being anti-fascist is now considered sort of controversial. It's amazing. Yes. Just watching the scenes yeah, yeah, yeah. in London yesterday and just, you know, this absolute fucking morons who eat your dick all of you, by the way, um, just not even understanding what they're protesting. Because they're not protesting anyway. They're just out for a jolly with the mates, you know yeah. what I mean? It, it, they've got no football to fucking, go to or whatever. So. Fucking fat-ankled gammony motherfuckers. <laughs> They're all dressed for under 15 quid from Sports Direct, top to fucking toe, claiming to protect the statue of Winston Churchill, who was a massive cunt, but <laughs> the one thing he's famous for in their eyes is beating Nazis, so to celebrate that, they make Nazi salutes. Like, like Where'd fucking, you begin? The idiocy is just, it's absurd. It's off the scale. It's absurd. Yeah, yeah, it it's really absurd. But to quote Volta, those that will have you believing absurdities will have you committing atrocities. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. We, we had Ola on the podcast um, the other year, and um, some of the stories he told us about, you know, growing up, some of the horrendous sort of racism and sort of bullying he received and stuff. Were, but luckily, we're so privileged, we've never sort of had to experience something like that but a lot of people in this country have and um i think it's time to just start listening a bit more isn't it and um and just be aware of yeah. what's going on yeah the first battle is getting people to acknowledge it yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the first battle. yeah that, that seems to be part of the sort of problem with the large majority of this country is just actually acknowledging it's happening and uh, yeah yeah if, if you refuse to acknowledge its existence. It's not your problem, is it? Essentially, no. it's that fucking simple. That's that's that is probably a good definition of willful ignorance. Yeah. That's if you know what I mean. And that's that's a, a state. People, lots of people choose to live in. We well, that, all choose to live in it on certain subjects. We, we you can't. Doesn't not. doesn't help when that's the message coming from the government, though, does it? It's um, and, that, and that's no. a major problem uh, right now. It would seem. Um, no, I don't. I, I just don't know. Like, it, people forget that. Yeah, it, like there's loads of there's loads of there's such a thing as being on the wrong side of history. Yeah. If you know what I mean, like that. It's not like everybody in Germany was like this. Hitler's a wrong guy. Yeah. To, and we're at. 
crazy as it is, we're on the internet and using Hitler as an analogy, but we're at the point where that is a literal, that that's the perfect example to use, if you know what I mean. Mm. Pulling down a statue. Oh, we'll, we'll erase our history. Don't see any statues to Hitler, but nobody forgets him, do they? Mm. <laughs> like, it's about education. It's not about it's not about edifices. It's not about icons. Yep. It's, it's literally about education, and that's where it needs to fucking yeah. start. Not um, with visual representations. No. So, yeah, we're, we're not by any saying we've got the answers, but read books, learn about history, throw yourself into history of the world, your country, watch stuff, educate yourself, you know, go to the protests. I mean, I know you've been to many protests over the years and had your name took by coppers, and um, but that's that's what we need to do, isn't it? It's, you know, yeah, stand up for up. what you believe is right. Turn up. You know, and, yeah, turn up and listen hey, to intelligent get- people. I, I firmly believe my personal philosophy is you become an adult when you take responsibility for your own actions. And the, world, the whole world is filled with children. And that equally is the same, that we become adults. We, be, we, we become realized in our, in our sort of grown-up form when we take responsibility for our actions. But not just that, when we take responsibility for our inaction as well. And that's 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 something that I, I think we as a society need to go through yeah yeah it's i think it's just a selfishness of human beings we're dealing with at this point to a large extent yeah, as well no. it's the i'm all right jack mentality isn't it and just a, yeah. you know yeah just massive selfishness of you yeah, know i think I, I think there's two forces at work in the universe and they're, they're within us all and it's it, it's like it's cowardice and it's curiosity and it's much easier to default to cowardice because we're probably the descendants of the people who cowered in the caves and not the ones that went out, outside to explore the world. If yeah. you know, like We're genetically disposed in many ways to cowardice. But curiosity, if you let it take you, you like everything good that happens in your life came yeah. because you were curious and you have the courage to follow that curiosity everything you thought oh what's that tune i need to find more of that who's that person i want to know more about them like everything good about us and not just individually as a as a society as a culture is 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 driven by the people who have the courage to follow curiosity not just let their cowardice win well this is half the problem that's how you end up with brexit because people are scared of something different anything that's a bit different than their norm and whatever you know nature gets scared by it stuff i don't like that that's different i don't want that you know it's rather than embracing like you've just said um there's yeah. there's a you know a certain a scare factor and a, an ignorance and a xenophobia if you will of just yeah i don't like yeah. that it's a bit different it's, um, yeah which is yeah. It's, it's a real shame it's fucking it, it's destructive <laughs> if you yeah will. Yeah, they don't, they don't, and we're seeing the whole fucking tragic thoughts on play in front of us at the moment. And yeah. I don't know. If there's a it silver lining, like it's kind of, we're, we're seeing a lot of people's true colours right now. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, that, that it, it, it's nice to see, but also pe- more people, yeah, yeah. I, I think more people will hopefully be willing to call those out or terminate relationships with those people. Yeah. So the message is clear that that is not all right. Yeah. That is not all right. Yeah. A lot of idiots misunderstanding free speech. 
which is just retarded. There's no such thing. There never has been, <laughs> if you know what I mean. We, are, we have certain freedoms and freedom extenders. We all have the right to do what we want until that stops somebody else being able to do what they want. So, yeah, you're allowed to say what you want, but not until the point it gets offensive, because yeah, other people say have the want, right but... to walk down the street without listening to your shit. Well, be prepared to be prepared to deal with the consequences if you do say what you want. That's that's, that's exactly it. People, yeah. people, people that you have the right to speak freely, but you don't have the right to speak free of the consequences of your speech. Yeah. You have the right to call somebody's mum whatever, but they also then have the right to knock you out for that. You don't <laughs> like. There's no. There's. That's what I mean. People think they have the right to. Say, I heard it. I heard it really well in the. There are lots of particularly white people who are more than happy to say racist things, but if you use the word racist to point at that, then they get all fucking upset and prickly. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very like, true. Like that's the word that sends. Me. You're like, but you did say that. I don't mean to sound racist, but but yeah. like that, that. Any conversation that but, yeah involves that quote is never going to end well, is it? Um, no, but no. yeah, people don't like being uncomfortable, as you say. So yeah. You know, read up, be better, everyone. That's all we can say. You know, including ourselves. And um, yeah, you can yeah. never, you can never know too much about anything uh, or uh, other people's situation and suffering. And just put yourself in someone else's shoes for a change. I guess is what I'm saying. And um, genuinely, fucking try that. Yeah. yeah, try and experience life from somebody else's perspective and not worry about the other. The other thing is, equality isn't a fucking pie. People having exactly the same rights and the same treatment as you doesn't mean you get treated fucking worse. It's no. just absurd. This and that bullshit about treat people how you want to be treated, that's bollocks. Treat people how you think they want to be treated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're not all yeah. the same, sadly. And, um, yeah. Everybody needs yeah. to be treated differently. Um, and that's just a fact. Um. Yeah, a bit deep for the Pick and Roll podcast. We are a basketball podcast, but um, it, yeah, I mean, the world's fucking burning around us at the minute, and um, we need to teach the children yeah. to live the right way, uh, not the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, well, we, you know, we can't, yeah. like, as I say. It's, um, not... it's upset me, and I'm sure it's upset you what's been going on, because uh, we're human beings, and um, it's fucked up what's going on right now. It does seep into sports, uh, sadly. Um, even, you know. Equally... Equally, they are. Well, these they kind of go hand in hand at times, times, don't they? Yeah. There's, these are positive times, if you know what I mean. In terms of people, are there are more people than ever saying like, "No, this is yeah, yeah. this is this is enough." These yeah. It feels like we. It, it feels like there's kind of been a a little bit of a sort of not a tipping point, but um, yeah, we're definitely there is, there is real momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Real so. momentum. It's just de- it's just depressing that you know when I was listening to Public Enemy as a thirteen year old and you know reading about Malcolm X and stuff, you thought you kind of we were on the crest of a way there and thought you know getting somewhere and it just depressingly seems like we've not really yeah gained much momentum in thirty years um, yeah which yeah. is kind of quite bleak uh, when you're trying to explain to your kids uh, you know what's going on but um, yeah. Hopefully, um... I think I, I think thankfully and gloriously the generation below us, because of the internet, because of the 
way demographics change that we that, that we as a people are becoming more less segregated more people become aware friends with people from all over and humans mix and intermingle and that eventually hopefully will avoid all this stuff in a thousand years time if we make it but in the meantime like this 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 sort of generation behind us seems to have got a bit more momentum about it than my generation ours when we were in our early 20s were able to muster just get out and vote motherfuckers especially in the states that's all i can say i don't know if we have many u.s listeners but get the fuck out there and get voting um yeah, yeah. um we're going to leave you with Craig Hodges. Um, well, our discussion on Craig Hodges, because um, we think it needs repeating, really. Um, that if you've not heard his kind of his story of his career and stuff and what he stood for, um, it's probably a, a good time to bring it back. And uh, I'll tweet a link out to uh, an article with a better backstory yeah. about yeah. him and um, and all he stood for. We'll probably be back in some capacity when it gets a bit clearer what's going to happen with the. Uh, with the games and stuff, um, I'm still kind of not—I don't know—not really ready for these faux summer league games. It's going to be—it's going to be so odd. But um, we'll—we'll um, we'll do our best to. Yeah, uh, as, to as I said, it just—it just seems weird. It's, yeah, it, it just seems weird, isn't it? It does. It yeah, it's it, it very it's weird. Crazy. So yeah, like, rate, subscribe, um, keep up uh, in all the usual places, and um, and Gavin, thanks for your time on a Sunday. Um, yes, yes, no bother. Enjoy your no evening, bother. man. And um, yeah, let's uh, yes. keep fighting the good uh, fight. And um, yes, everybody, yes, stand up. Now's the time. Yeah, now's the time. Yeah, get 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 stuck in and um, and try and make a difference and try and make people around you better. And um, yeah, call people out on their fucking bullshit. Um, yeah. Yeah, in small incremental changes that you can do. People. Yeah. And, uh, another one I would say is in my in my professional capacity, I, I work in the financial sector, and if you feel in any way not like powerless, one of the big things you can do is check where your pension's invested. You've got a job; they're yeah. paying into a pension, and it'll be into a fund. Check where those companies are. Make sure it's ethical. Yeah. More important, who those CEOs don't donate to. Because you will be surprised exactly where the money comes from, and it, yeah, you can make a real big change that way. It's it's not showy, it's not brouhaha, it's, it's hard to get retweets of it. But it, check where your pension is, is is invested, because you might find a lot of it is coming from things you would find quite horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Mm. All right, but we'll leave you with Craig Hodges, Bye. and uh, we'll see you um, soon. gates to the Clarence Weatherspoon Hall of Fame. Why is it called the Clarence Weatherspoon Hall of Fame, Gav? Um, Can you remember why we came up with this? It's because of how we met. How we met. A long time ago, yes. I'm Jeremy. Refresh me. Jeremy. I met this dude, really likes basketball. We went to a bar, a, a famous local bar at, at the time. Uh, you said, pop me with some trivia. I, I know some about basketball. 
I only knew this because I'd watched NBA action and it came on the, the advert. And it was which player <laughs> had been in the league at this point. And this must be 97, 98. That's one, 97, yeah. 97, 98. And which player had been in the league the longest and not made the playoff, not played in the playoffs. Okay, yeah. It and was. you disappeared <laughs> to the other side of the bar. Pretty internet this is. And they came back over going something like, it's got to be 93 draft. It's got to be somebody (laughs) at 93 draft. And it was a process of elimination, which was awesome in its <laughs> in its I'm sure diligence. there was napkins and pens out at one point worrying in its in its somewhat anti-socialness in the bar uh, but also massively impressive when you came back with the right answer this was in champs on Ecky road by the way joe for your yeah. knowledge there circa 97 yeah i know and the answer was clarence weatherspoon there you go so the answer was clarence weatherspoon so tying it all back to the uh stupidity of our youth yeah the clarence weatherspoon hall of fame and i think um, from that day you've always thought i knew more about basketball than i <laughs> <laughs> it was on nba action like the day before there you go there so you go. um yeah a cast of characters not necessarily the best basketball players no um not members of the actual a cast hall of, of fame, characters a motley crew is the best way to describe some of these a motley crew of flashy wannabes um Overhyped prospects, gritty grinders, and comedy individuals, Com- yes. intentional or unintentional, and the others. sort of players which make a five foot six dude from the north of England obsessed with basketball, and others who kind of had impacts on the league, which probably we weren't aware of at the time, but in light of recent events, uh, have kind of come to the fore once again. Um, one such guy. Oh, I always took a particularly weird interesting was Craig Hodges, um, if you remember him. I remember Craig Hodges first and foremost from, and this is a weird thing. Do, do you remember Do you remember the EA game Lakers versus Celtics for the Mega Drive? Yeah, it was terrible. It was, but it was the first proper basketball game I played I with, like NBA snares. teams. There was always the, the one from above, what was it called, with the rolling ball. and There was always terrible uh, games, but that was the first one that was like licensed. And he was there. And you could just nail the outside free with him. He was the only player, him and Dana Barros. Yeah. They were the only players in that game you could make a free with consistently. It's true, I remember, yeah. You could, you could literally just top of the key yeah. um, and hit every time. But yeah, he was a spectacular three-point shooter. Yeah, he was one of those um, players, I, I, like, you know those players you know about and have a relationship with before you ever even see him play. Most famous for being on Jordan's Bull teams, Bulls teams of uh, sort of early 90s. Certainly um, to us at this side. That's... Yeah, so I always, he always piqued my interest um, just because the stories that came out at the time about basically how he sort of railed against Jordan and, and the league for in a time when... Um, sort of racial tension um politics were at the fore in the early 90s in um yeah we've been here before haven't we um, well in the I US. Say we. um so yeah just before. a bit of background on hodges so grew up just outside chicago chicago heights illinois um in the 60s um bang in the you know the middle of this sort of civil rights movement in a family who were sort of very active, you know, going on marches. His mother and his auntie and uh, his uncles were very sort of proactive in the civil rights movement in Chicago uh, with Martin Luther King and such. Basketball-wise, he was quite heavily recruited at high school by Rick Pitino at Syracuse at the time, Indiana and Bobby Knight. And it was a chance meeting with Tex Winter, who probably most famous for being a... Uh, Inventor. 
inventor of the triple post offense, the yeah. triangle, yeah. Um, long-time assistant of Phil Jackson at the Bulls uh, and at the Lakers. And he kind of approached Hodges and the said... The man behind the man. Yeah, very much so. He kind of approached Hodges and said, you know, I, I like you as a player. It developed that he went to uh, Long Beach University in um, California, got a job there, and a year later Hodges joined him there, kind of promised him that, you know, you come here, learn my offense, I guarantee after four years, you know, I'll, I'll get you a shot with a pro team. Yeah, he did as well, didn't he? Yeah, he ended up sort of starting as a freshman, which was kind of unheard of in college in those days, and went on to have a decent four years at Long Beach, uh, averaging sort of, sort of 17, 18 points a game by the time he left. With very little hope of getting drafted, really. Ended up getting picked in the sort of third round by... Um... Ironically, Donald Sterling's Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> to, to two characters. There's, a, there's an odd couple, if you know. Yeah, um, so drafted in the third round by uh, the Clippers, uh, who were in San Diego at the time. We were an interesting team. They sort of got Bill Walton, who'd... Really? Been traded there. Big Bill broken the Blazers. Yeah, uh, he'd been out for two years. Obviously... Never really played a full season NBA. They had the rookie Terry Cummins, who was taking TC, no TC, way. yeah, number two in that draft, and went on to win the Rookie of the Year award. Tom Chambers, Tom Chambers, um, a lot of talent, you know. On yeah, no, that's a a badly run team. Basically. Well, you can uh, say that about Clippers at any point in yeah. their entire history. Yeah, I think. so um, started sort of quite a few games. The rookie averaged ten points. Formed quite a decent relationship with Walton. Uh, you know, an interesting character in NBA, obviously. A bit of a political thinker and yeah. sort of free spirit. Got on really well with Hodges and Hodges became the first rookie to be kind of like a player representative, you know, for his team. Yeah. Um, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah, for a young man like that that they're yeah. usually sending out to get condoms on the road. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? That's the level <laughs> of respect. Stupid rooks, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's the level of respect um, you rookies get, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah, a crap so. old man knows better. So it, another season on the Clippers, he was traded with Cummins to uh, Milwaukee, near his hometown of Chicago, uh, where Don Nelson was a coach. Um, started 63 games uh, with Sidney Moncrief. Sidney Moncrief. Yeah. Um, That's a backcourt. And started to make a name for himself. You know, as a bit of a three-point shooter, um, which was kind of a still an outside Larry Bird. Very few people took sort of volume amounts of threes. Yeah, no, not so at that it point. It wasn't really... No, a, nobody everyone, did. You know, it was the NBA of the 80s, just gets close to the basket Goes as you to can. Goes arse it down, back down with the arse and the Barkley, and then um, just turn around and shoot. Yeah, so led the league in three-point shooting. Always at a clip as well, though. Yeah. Always at a percentage which would make him worth so much money now. And he had, a yeah, an interesting sort of time. If He goes into detail a bit more in his book about some of the events that happened sort of during that time he had a he ended up supporting a young singer uh, who befriended his wife and brother-in-law who ended up being sort of more famous as you know R. Kelly yeah. during the years and stuff and he fleshes a lot of stuff out in the book about the problems he kind of encountered um, in his family life and stuff but a, a, a very sort of checkered uh, sort of personal life off the court which is sort of definitely worth reading about in his book but it was his kind of involvement in politics and kind of civil rights um, yeah that's the point isn't it we're yeah, talking the, about him not because of his on the yeah, court achievements he was which never is... going to be an NBA all-star he was you know he was pretty much a one-dimensional shooter but it was his sort of off the court sort of involvement with People like Jesse Jackson, people like Chuck D from Public Enemy, yeah. Queen Latifah, um, just trying to educate 
mainstream America about sort of the plight and poverty and sort of hopelessness as of, of the elephant in, in the room. Yeah, exactly. The especially, elephant in the room, people. Spe- especially like you know in places like Chicago, and he really he really took on sort of his teammates like Jordan and the major corporations like Nike and sort of question, you know, what are you doing to give back to the community? Um, you know, you've got Fair a point. platform. Millions of people look up to you and, you know, you're making a hell of a lot of money. I'm, I'm sure famous, famous voice of the people, MJ, uh, at his back. Well, he never really got involved, did he? This is the thing. I think Jordan respected him, but he was he was never going to sort of... Yeah. Sort of mouth off his paymasters. No. Um, and make an issue out of it. But yeah, he led the uh, led the league in three point shooting again. Got involved. People like Louis Farrakhan, who I'm sure they controversial. Of this. Yeah, yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, apparently the, the reason the books traded him in the first place to uh, Phoenix was they found out he was involved with Farrakhan, who was quite a divisive figure um, in America at the time. Yeah, Hodges, to be fair to him, never really. Sort of claimed allegiance with any particular party or religion. He was just all about injustice? finding any way. Well, yeah, social yeah. injustice. You know, what does it matter? Un- helping underprivileged people. Yeah, and just sort of yeah, that's how ra- it should be. Raise awareness of you know causes that were going on in his hometown and throughout America. Yeah, um, inequality doesn't care whatever what your religion is. Inequality doesn't care what what your race is. There's yeah, haves and have nots. So we um, again just show what. Brilliant shoot he was. He won the three-point shootout at um, the All-Star break, which is probably my earliest memories of him um, watching yeah. those contests on VHS. Yeah, uh, I'd say that's that's my first memories, really, of him. I mean, we got a lot of Bulls games here because of you only got those games, really, in those days, but, but it's not like he was a heavy-minute player. Yeah, so, I mean, I can remember these stories at the time just from sort of reading... Magazines. Oh, uh, I was stupid at that age. I don't know. I remember, sort yeah. of, I remember vividly in call there being an issue of him calling sort of Nike. Out. I remember there being a big thing with like Chuck D um, criticizing Nike in records like Shut Them Down and stuff yeah. like that, saying you know what are you doing for the neighbor. And I like I remember specifically like Hodges being kind of vocal about this, saying you know you should really be sort of setting your own sneaker company up instead of you know making Chinese and Thai kids make. You know, yeah, no, well, it, it just makes more sense anyway. It just makes more sense um, anyway for that. And he was so. very critical of Jordan, sort of the players, and David Falk, who's at you know, his agent, and he was very outspoken to the point where he's convinced Jordan and Falk were trying to run him out of the league by this point. You know, just what happened to him? Well, yeah, <laughs> he got run um, out of the league. We're um, skipping forward to sort of 1991 here. George Bush has invaded Iraq, which obviously has led to a lot of the problems we've got in the world today, no doubt. Um, Hodges, again, was very critical of this. Also around this time, he got the Rodney King beating in LA. This is sort of against the backdrop of the NBA Finals that year, and Hodges actually approached Jordan and Magic Johnson and the Lakers and said, we should boycott the game. You know, we, This is the only way we're going to sort of draw enough attention to this subject that we could actually make a real impact, and as can be expected, Johnson and Jordan weren't weren't going for that in any in any way. I mean, it, yeah, it, no, they're what's known as smart businessmen, isn't it? Yeah, which isn't synonymous with integrity, no. especially. So you know, yeah, the following season, I mean, the, the Bulls won the title that year. They beat the Lakers. Yeah, Hodges is world champion. Um, got a ring. So they were invited to the White House by 
then President George Bush Senior. George Bush. Um, Jordan <laughs> refused to go, saying, "You know, I didn't vote for the guy, and I'm pretty sure I probably went golfing." Um, Hodges, on the other hand, turned up at the White House in full dashiki, which <laughs> fair play, do it. Get dressed up for you know special occasions, and yeah. apparently he was approached by. George Bush Jr. whilst in the Rose Garden at the White House who <laughs> proceeded to uh, ask him in a very slow voice where do you come from? <laughs> uh, nice. Um, well to be fair I'm, to which, I'm not sure George Bush Jr. had a speeded up voice did he? To which Hodges obviously replied Chicago. <laughs> um, <laughs> he came on with an eight page letter which he gave to George Bush Sr.'s sort of press advisor outlining you know the issues he felt were relevant to underprivileged Native American, African American youth in America of the day, and use these opportunities as a platform to actually sort of try and make a difference. On deaf ears, it probably fell. Yeah. But, um, it's just interesting how twenty five, twenty six years later, athletes are sort of slowly getting on getting around to sort of you know, raising awareness of the issues that are going on in the world. Well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, it's a very different time. I mean, social media, I mean, that, that's yeah. probably paid a lot of, a lot of, a lot of due. The, the NBA wasn't as big worldwide then. I mean, I mean, you hear that with Colin Kaepernick. Will he play again? Like, well, it does it matter? Kind of, it all kind of comes back to this, doesn't it? It's, it's kind of some similarities with, you know, we'll go on to say what happened to Hodges and, and what's yeah. happened to Kaepernick now, really. You know, just having the balls to stand up and speak out about it. Kaepernick has the benefit of his message getting out worldwide, yeah, though. Yeah, Because um, of new technologies and medias where Hodges was probably denied that opportunity. Well, not denied that, but he just wasn't in the same place. Yeah, so sort of fast forward another year. He defended his three-point shootout title again. Um, back in the finals with the Bulls against Portland just shortly after the verdict had come in about Policemen involved in the Rodney King beatings. Hodges again spoke out sort of during the finals about the lack of leadership from sort of Jordan and other top players about what, why aren't we speaking out about what's happening in our country. And Clyde Drexler of the Blazers actually backed him up sort of yeah. you know, in the papers and said, you know, he's right. We, we should be speaking out about this. And uh, I don't think he played again for the Bulls after that. They, <laughs> they sidelined him for the rest of the finals. And yeah. July the 1st, they cut him. They're just obviously not wanting the noise. Yeah, because you know, highlighting injustice is not what we're. we're it's, yeah. it's, it's sports isn't politics, yeah. despite it being invented. So he's essentially out of the league at this point. You know, he called around the league's agent, called so every team in the league he couldn't yeah. get. He couldn't even get a tryout. So you know, he's effectively being blackballed by the NBA. They brought him back to um, defend his title at the All Star Weekend, even though he wasn't playing for a particular team. And yeah. Ironically, made him wear like a generic NBA uniform. Um, just, you could know, symbolise yeah. that by he's owned by the league, yeah. really, and their yeah. owners. Could have made him wear a tie around his neck. Yeah, probably had a similar effect. And um, that was basically the last we ever saw of him in the NBA. Um, in the book, he kind of mentions how he saw ex pros during the weekend, like Dominique Wilkins, sort of literally looked the other way when he saw him coming. Uh, he said, you know, Barkley came over to him, sort of patted him on the shoulder, said. You know, I know what you're going through, and he was like, "Well, we'll say something." Yeah, then, you know, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like grow a pair. Yeah. You know. No. Well, what is it? All it takes for evil to prevail is good men to do nothing. Yeah. And to be honest, I'd argue if you're doing nothing, you're not a good man anyway. And that's 
too many people so that get away the... with that excuse. Yeah, so that you was can the... be a, a, you can be the biggest man on the court and a spineless mm. piece of shit off it. So that was the kind of support he had, which was literally none. Um, so it'd be interesting to see nowadays what the difference would be. How we'd be remembered, how we'd be painted, yeah. that that the reach his message would have would have got to. Um a lot different I'd imagine, I mean. Well totally. I mean also also whilst he was quietly shepherded out of the league, it's not like he's been rounded on across Twitter. There'd be people burning Craig Hoggard's Craig Hodges jerseys and if you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess th- there'd be that as well. It so. was kinda of swept under the rug then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean so in in some way he's denied that, but maybe his family and stuff are denied some harassment yeah. and abuse because people take that bullshit really seriously, don't they? Yes. Yeah, so people he, offend yeah. that stuff. He never came back. He never really. He ended up being back in the league with uh, Phil Jackson on his second go round at the Lakers. Yeah. 2005. Checks wing to uh, join his staff and basically insisted that they give Hodges a job. The man you know, behind so, the man's yeah, man. Yeah. As a shooting coach. And, you know, he won a couple of rings there. Apparently, he really took Lamar Owen under his ring. Under his wing. Under his sorry, wing. Even. <laughs> uh, that's another story. Um. A man who, you know, had his issues as well off the court and um, really made a difference with sort of Kobe Bryant. Got to, uh, got, got a taste of the NBA again, really. Um, coached at the Lakers for six years. Ended up coaching the Knicks D-League team briefly when Jackson... Uh, Westchester, yeah, Knicks. Yeah, Knicks, but, um, but essentially, yeah, never, never really got his due for what he kind of stood up for. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, tried to take the NBA to court and failed. Um, it's hard to prove. It's hard to do anyway. Yeah, with that. Anyway, it's not. Yeah, what it's, is the NBA? Mm. If you know, what I mean, it's a. How do you even define that as an mm. entity, really? But yeah, an interesting character whose story. Yeah, if I, I was waiting a long time to hear his story. And the, the book's really interesting. Plug the it? book. What's the book called? Uh, it's called Long Shot by Craig Hodges. Came out earlier this year. You can find it in all I'm the sure, usual yeah. places. You I'm can sure. find it everywhere. Amazon. Or, or go direct to Craig. Yeah. Uh, even better. Um, he's quite active on social media now and seems a genuinely lovely, intelligent bloke who uh, should definitely not be forgotten. Yeah. Um, no. Or deserves a larger piece of. So yeah, kudos and welcome respect. to respect. To the Clarence Hall first, of Fame. First, first jersey up in the rafters. Ironically, sat there on his own at the moment, but yeah. uh, over the coming weeks, he will be joined by. He'll be joined by others. A pantheon of, a pantheon. Uh, of characters. Some of them, so, some of them, a lot less noble. Let's say a few rummer characters. Yeah, some um, of them a lot less noble. So yeah, Craig Hodges. Props to you and uh, kudos. Kudos. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Very right. sweet. Yeah. Have you got anything else you want to add? No, not this week. Going to um, sort my league pass out and get on those pre-season games now. Good we'll, to go. We'll be back. And excited. With a few over-unders predictions before the season starts. And uh, all I can say is thank you, Gav. Thank you, Producer Joe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, lads. Peace. This is for Craig Hodges. Peace out. <laughs>